Before we get into the message this morning, I just want to just reiterate something that uh, Alan talked about just a moment ago about the uh, If Oakwood Women's Conference. Ladies, I want you to know about that. It is online, ready to go for registration. You can register in the app, on the website. I think there's information on that in the bulletin as well. Just want you to know that some of the premier discipleship speakers in the area of women's ministry and the country are going to be speaking at that conference. We get to host one of the sites here at Oakwood. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Now, if Oakwood actually started two years ago and actually met in like three or four homes, last year they nearly doubled attendance and we met here. Uh, they expect attendance might double again this year, ladies. So Please register early is what I'm trying to say. Help them plan well. You're going to get a, have a meal and some other things there. It helps them order those, those things, make sure they have them here for everybody. So that's March 24, 25. Ladies, it's a great time to meet the other ladies in our church, all pursuing Christ together. Uh, just a great time for you to fellowship, get to know one another, and grow in Christ. So I uh, hope that you will take advantage and be a part of that. So well, we're in a series right now called Money Matters, talking about the matters of money in Scripture, and how do we manage our financial households God's way. So the first week we talked about earning or working, um, and, and I had several emails and, and feedback on, on that uh, message. And then last week we talked about giving, how God uh, wants the first fruits, how we show the priority of God in our life by giving him the first 10% of our income called the tithe. And we give that to God, and we trust that he'll provide, that he'll, he'll make that 90% go further than that 100% ever would. And it also just shows that we trust in him. And it's kind of on that theme that we get to today as we talk about saving, saving money, as we talk about savings accounts and all of those things. Because there seems to be this tension sometimes that's built because, well, if you, if you save your money, does that mean you don't trust that God will provide it? Or are you being a very, very wise steward and using his financial provision wisely if you do? And it seems to be these two camps when it comes to this area of savings. And so we're going to open up the text in Scripture today and, and find out what the Bible has to say about that. We're going to begin this morning by looking at a passage from uh the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there this morning to Luke's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament. As always, if you uh, didn't bring your Bible, you want to follow along on your phone, your iPad, your tablet, just download the Oakwood app and click on Sermon Notes, and you'll have all the scriptures and everything right there for you, but we want you to hear from the Word of God this morning. Before we read the text, there's something that uh, Amy and I started a long time ago with our girls. Uh, we, we actually made these uh, physical jars, I think there's a picture picture of them on the screen there. Yeah, those are the actual jars my wife made. Uh, we started this with our girls at a very young age and teaching them anytime that they receive money, that there's three things you do with it. You, you give first to the Lord, that 10%, that tithe. We started that really early with our girls. And then you save some, and it's important to put some in the savings jar for the future. And so sometimes we would encourage them to do about 15% into the savings jar. And then the spend jar, you could spend what was, whatever was in there. Well, the girls thought, man, this is great. I mean, 10% to God, maybe 10 to 15% for savings. And sometimes they chose to save more. You know, they didn't have a lot of expenses when they were seven or eight years old. But... They thought the spend jar was great. I mean, they just felt like they had this abundance. And they were only spending maximum maybe 75% of what they got. But they felt like, man, I mean, this is, this is great. 
And I think oftentimes if we start that at a young age, it's a good habit that's built into their life for the future. And so you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a lot easier when you make $100 to give 10 than when you make $1,000 to give 100 or when you make $10,000 to give 1,000. There's just something about it. As the numbers increase, it seems to get harder. I do have to say that as a pastor, and I've checked with our bookkeeper on this, that we have many youth children's and children's ministry attendees and teens that give regularly to the church now i understand sometimes with the children's ministry area you know it's it's really your money mom and dad and you're trying to teach them that habit by giving them their allowance and saying make sure this dollar goes you know to the church but it's amazing to see how many teens and i think this is from good uh, understanding of scripture good biblical values how many are teens when they go to work they're actually tithing right now I think it's such an encouragement to the future to see that, that priority in their life. And today we're going to talk about saving because that's another important priority in our life. It's something that we need to understand. So let's look at the text this morning, uh, Luke chapter, chapter 12. Now, you have to understand where this is coming from here in the context. In Luke 12, just before verse 13, which is where we're going to pick up the passage this morning, uh, my subheading there says, Warnings and Encouragements. So what's happened here is there was a crowd of many thousands of people that Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is in the height of his popularity. Uh, people were, were, were following him because his teaching was like no one they had ever heard teach before. Jesus is the best preacher and teacher of all time, and he was drawing crowds. People also had heard this guy has miraculous powers. Like, you might see a miracle. And so they were all gathered to hear Jesus, and he's given them some deep spiritual meaning in the first 12 verses here in Luke chapter 12, and he's talked about some really deep topics, and then he's interrupted in verse 13. Now, this guy shouts out from this crowd of thousands of people, and I'm thinking, it must be some sense of urgency, right? Like, like this guy, maybe, maybe he's got, you know, his son or daughter is at home and they're really, really sick and, and they need healed. And so he's, he's, he's crying out, he's interrupting Jesus to tell him, hey, hey, Jesus, can you come to my house and heal, heal my family member? Or, or maybe he's just going through something that's really hard and he's like, hey, Jesus, can you help me? He's just crying out because he's just at his, his wits end. He doesn't know what to do. And he's just like, he's like, Jesus, Jesus, help me. Maybe there's some other deep spiritual thing that, that, that he's crying out here for. But he interrupts Jesus. Well, let's just read it here in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. No, it wasn't any of those things. He had money. He had money on his mind. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told them this parable. It's a parable is a story he tells with a spiritual meaning. And Jesus taught them this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all of these crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. 
Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You've probably heard that before. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. When we store up things for ourselves and we're not rich toward God is a good principle of savings. But so many people struggle with this idea of saving money. And so we're going to talk about that this morning as we unpack many other verses of Scripture this morning. So the first point of, of the message today is this. Saving for future needs is a biblical idea. Saving for future needs is a biblical idea. Some Christians, they don't save for retirement because they believe it's disobedient. Uh, many don't save for the future because uh, a scripture that we uh, actually talked about last week and found in the, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you remember what it says there? It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin come in and destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You might remember that from last week. Many people establish, well, hey, I'm storing up for myself treasures on earth if I, if I put some money back into savings. And so that's, that's a hard thing to do, and I need, to, I need to be really, really careful. Well, Jesus would say yes to that, that you need to be really careful because it can't be the main thing or the main priority in your life. But there are many that don't save for the future because of this. There are others that don't save because of guilt. They have guilt that they, they see so many needs in the world around them, and they're, they're like, man, I, I've got to, uh, to take care of all of these, these other people. And it's good to be generous and open-handed with our neighbors. It's good to help people when they have a time of need. But what happens if you don't have any savings and you don't have any resources to help those people in the future? You can kind of see both sides of, of that equation. Some people, they will not save for the future because they believe that that is disobeying God from the perspective of that I don't really trust God to provide. I really don't trust him and I really don't trust that. And so I've got to save this money to kind of work around God's provision in my life. And you may be surprised, as some are, that actually saving for the future is encouraged in the scripture. The first story that we have about that that really condones saving for the future for meeting needs and anticipated needs for the future is actually found back in the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible. You may know the story of Joseph. And I can't go into his whole story this morning just for the sake of time, but in the life of Joseph, as he is uh, sent by slave traders to Egypt, and he's in time there, and he does the whole Potiphar's wife experience, and she tries to allure him, and he denies her, and he gets thrown in prison because of false accusations, and he's in prison. He ends up interpreting a dream for Pharaoh. And in that dream, a vision from God that he interprets, he says, hey, there's going to be seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt. We're going to have abundant harvests. But then after that, there's going to be seven years of drought and famine. And what he says is that we should save for the future. During these abundant years, we should store back food 
so that we are prepared for the seven years of drought and famine. And so that's exactly what they do. And if you read the story of Joseph and you know how the story goes and how the story ends up working out, uh, Joseph is seen as a, as a genius. He goes from a slave to imprisoned to second in command over all of Egypt because of his wisdom about saving for the future. And if you know the rest of the story with his brothers and his dad, and they come and, and he's in this high position and, and, and you know all of that. All of that was really contingent upon them being able to provide food in a time of need. Why? Because they planned for the future and because they saved. As you go throughout Scripture, you'll see with the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, you'll see throughout the book of Proverbs and all the Hebrew wisdom literature of the Old Testament, and you'll see all throughout the New Testament, there are many, many passages and stories that show the value of saving and being prepared for the future. So many financial advisors, Christian financial advisors today would advise you to save for the, the, for the future. Uh, you can go back into maybe the old school, maybe if you know Larry Burkett before he passed away, a, a Christian uh, financial concept guy that was always telling you to, to prepare for the future. Even to popular figures today like Dave Ramsey. He says, hey, you should save for the future and you should have an emergency fund. That's money that is saved. It's, it's in cash and it's ready for when the dishwasher goes, goes out or, or when the car repair comes up or when that unforeseen medical event happens and you've got to pay, pay something. It's preparation for the future through saving. And it's a biblical idea all throughout Scripture. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to the poverty. Saving is also good because it keeps you out of debt. We're going to talk about spending and debt next week, but so many times we don't have things saved, and so we go make purchases on credit and end up paying interest to someone else instead of having savings and having the interest come to us. And so many times we make purchases with money that we don't really have, where the Bible would encourage us to prepare for the future and to save for those purchases in the future. And it is a discipline. It's an intentional discipline that we must have that every time we get a bit of income, God gets that first 10%, that tithe. And then the second thing we do is we hold back for ourselves some for the future. But saving for future needs is a biblical idea. The second thing this morning, wise investing for the future is good and right. Making investments is good and right. There's so many people that are all over the place on that. Well, is that speculation with God's resources or is it good stewardship? Well, again, let's go back to the scripture and see what it says. I want to read you a story from Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. It says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called all of his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold. And to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went off on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his, ha his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. 
And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. And see, I have gained two more. And see if this sounds familiar. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came, and and Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown, gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, there's obviously some spiritual meaning to this because what Jesus is really teaching on here in Matthew chapter 5 is kingdom resources. He's talking about leveraging the gospel, the good news about him for the future. And that if you have five opportunities to share the gospel and evangelize, and you can turn that into ten opportunities, that God says, hey, I'm going to give you even more opportunities in the future to serve this kingdom. Whether that be something that's a financial gain, uh, maybe it's it's a move of leadership prowess, maybe it's a servant leadership. But the principle here still remains true and that it is good and wise to invest and to get a return on investment for the future. And that's why wise investing for the future is good. It's good to sow seeds into the future and to have those seeds reap a harvest. Somebody once said that there are two ways to make money in life. You can work to make money, which we talked about in week one, working and earning to make money. Or your money can make money. He said what most people want to achieve in their life is to get to the point where their money makes money. Where there is interest on it. Now, of course, we need to use, use, use our brains and to think wisely about how God would have us invest. God is not wanting us to take his resources of stewardship and to invest in, in speculative enterprises in any way, shape, or form. But we all know that there are good, um, may, may we use the word conservative ways to invest your money that gets you a return, that puts money to work for the future. This is also another reason that procrastination is so bad in life, but especially when it comes to areas of finance. Because there's this concept called compounding interest, where when the interest is reinvested into a, a, into a deposit, It continues to make money even off the deposit into the future. It's called compounding interest. It just compounds and grows more and more and more. Some people don't know this and don't realize this because they can't ever save money. But let me give you some encouragement here. I bet most of you in this room could find some way to make $10 a day this year. I mean, you, you could just sell something on Facebook Marketplace, right? I mean, you, I mean, there's some way you could find $10. Some of you are like, okay, I'm not going to Starbucks today. Okay, there's $10, okay. 
Do you realize that if you saved $10 a day this year, that come December 31st, you would have $3,650 saved? Now, most of you went, eyebrows raised, like, that's a lot of money. $3,650 just by saving $10 a day. Some of you may be in a place where you could save more. And then you have this opportunity with, that, with those finances, with that money, to invest it to where maybe you don't come up with just the $10 a day that you've saved, but maybe even have a little bit of interest on there. Maybe it becomes $36.50, becomes $4,000 by the end of the year. And you see how that works because it puts you in a better place financially, so now you can do what? You can be prepared for the future. But don't lose sight in this. That everybody wishes they had planted a tree when? Yesterday, so they could have the produce today. So don't put off to tomorrow what you could do today. Procrastination is a bad thing, especially when it comes to God. I think of how many times God calls us to do something, to follow him and obey him in some way in some way in our life. And we're like, oh, oh, you know, I can do that tomorrow. I'll obey, I'll share my faith in a week. Or, or when I get done with this project at work, then I'll have more time. Then I'll, I'll focus on what God wants for my life. Oh, I know God wants me to go deeper with him and, and to be a part of discipleship. And I know the church has all these opportunities on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights with these groups. And, 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 and yeah, I know that, but I, I could do that next year. Well, what did it say in our, our passage in Luke chapter 12? It said, you fool, your life will be demanded from you tonight. No one knows how much time we have left. And so we have to make the most of our opportunities. And part of that is not procrastinating, but to do something that makes a difference today. Wise investing can be one of those things. Third thing this morning, savings honors God and serves others. Your savings honors God and it serves others. Savings honors God because it rightly values money and sees it as a gift from God that he has given to us. That's why we're called stewards of his resources. We talked about this in week one, that our ability to earn and to work and to earn our way in life and to make money is because of the talents, ability, brain power, placement that God has put in our lives. Reminded me of James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says this, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So if we see money as a gift that God has given us, a resource that God has given us from the Lord, we need to understand and value it because it comes from Him. And so saving honors God's, honors God, but also helps us to serve others. You see, instead of unplanned, impulsive, and foolish spending all the time, and we'll talk about some of that next week, wise saving demonstrates the importance of stewardship in our lives to steward what God has given us and to make the most of it, to make the most of what God has blessed us with. In Luke chapter 12, just a little further down from our passage we read earlier, in verse 48, the second part says this, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. But from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You see, when God gives us resources, proper stewardship will put us in a better position for the important needs that might raise in the future. 
Earlier, I mentioned it might be to repair something in your house or in your, in your car. But there's so much more than that. Sometimes I think God gives people savings so they can fund his ministry and his projects in the future. You might be saving right now, but you might not understand. God is not having you save for you. God is having you save for his church. God is having you save for a ministry opportunity he's going to put before you, and you're going to be able to meet a need in the future because you were wise today. And you're going to be in so much of a better spot to be able to meet those needs. I mean, isn't it frustrating sometimes? Have you ever been in a place to where you see a need before you and you're like, you're looking at your budget, and you're looking at your bank account, and you're like, we cannot help. I, I feel moved to help here. I can't do it. Why? Because I have no savings. I wasn't setting back. See, sometimes we think we, we set back only for ourselves, but we're actually setting back for a greater purpose and a greater mission off into the future. God may be giving us opportunities for funding his ministry well in the future. That's why it's so important to keep a an eternal perspective on our finances. God gives you the ability and helps you to save, but it may not all be for you. It may actually be for him to help others in the future. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, it says this, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those who are in need. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Wouldn't it be nice if it was always within our power to act and to take action for the future because we were prepared? You know, savings, another thing that savings does, it, it allows you to leave an inheritance for the future to bless the next generation of your family, to bless your heirs so that they can bless others in the future. Maybe it's not even someone in your family. Maybe it's someone outside of your family. And you just know, if I give them these resources, they're going to put it to good use for the kingdom of God. Bob Russell has a benevolence grant that he puts out through Bob Russell Ministries every year. And when I went on his retreat several years ago, he shared the story of how that began. There was a businessman in California who just had so much income, he just wanted to give it away. One of the ways he felt led to give it away was to get it in the hands of needy families. And so what he has done is he has reached out through his network of ministers who have been on his retreat. There's about 400 of us now, eight at a time, once a month, that have been through his retreat over the years. And he puts out this email and just says, hey, there's this benevolence grant. It's usually $250,000 at a time. There's this benevolence grant available, given out in chunks of $1,500 or $1,000 that are for families in need. If you know of a need in your congregation and you feel like this would help point them toward Jesus, please let me know. Folks, this has happened into the millions of dollars. And it's because... That business person in California knew that Bob Russell would spend those kingdom resources well. And so he was given that opportunity. And he said, guys, this is why it is so important to be good and to be wise with your finances. You never know how God may use you to fund ministry, to bless families, to meet needs in the future. But I can tell you, there are many families... And yes, even in our church, as best I could figure when I was thinking about it this week, there's, there's been over 19 benevolence grants that's been given to families in our church over the years. 
And it's amazing how all that connectivity to Bob Russell and even to our church is because somebody in California was prepared for the future. Isn't that neat to see how those kingdom resources can go on? It reminded me of another story, too, Dallas Christian College. There was a, a lady who didn't have many resources herself, but as she got up in years, she inherited some resources from a family member. And then as she aged in the future, she passed it down to her daughter. So it went from the grandmother to the mother to the daughter. That daughter saw a need come out at Dallas Christian College to provide funding for a ministry project. Some of it involved uh, building projects on the campus. Some of it involved future student scholarships. Other parts of it involved missions and mission trips that the school is going to do. And she was in such a place that she gave to that project a couple million dollars of her, of her inheritance. Now you think about how that grandmother had passed that money on to the mother, had passed that money on to the daughter, and now the daughter was taking those resources from two generations ago and passing it and putting it on into kingdom work into the future. How neat is that to think about, that your savings might actually be used now, but may also be passed on to another generation that will further sow seeds into the kingdom of God. You see, savings honors God and it serves others. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Last thing this morning. Saving money can bring temptation. I, I needed to include this this morning. This saving money can bring temptation. We, we've talked about all the positives of, of saving money and being prepared for the future. We know that the Bible says that we should do that for a plethora of reasons. But saving money can also bring us into this area of temptation. Because it is all about our motivation of why we are saving money. You see, you could actually be tempted to save money, but to save it for the wrong reason or purpose. You see, some people, they save money out of fear. They're fearful about the future. They don't trust in God. Remember Jesus when he talked about worry? Do not worry about the future, what you shall eat, what you'll drink, or what you should wear. Then he gave an example, remember this passage about, the, look at the birds of the field. They're not worried about what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear or what they're going to drink. And God provides for them how much more you, created in the image of God as his children, how much more will you be provided for? Because God loves you. And because, he says, I will provide all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But some people fear the future so much that they start saving out of fear. And sometimes when we save out of fear, it can become like hoarding. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know so-and-so is going on a mission trip. And I know they, they, they would like some financial help with that. But I'm not going to give them that money. Because I just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know about this. And I don't know about that. And, and Some people do it actually out of greed. Isn't that funny? And sometimes when you don't have money, you don't struggle with greed. But when you have money, you struggle with greed. Didn't Jesus teach on that a few times. <laughs> There's some scriptures in the, in the word of God that talks about greed. 
talks about that need to acquire more and more and more. And really, more becomes an idol in our lives. It becomes idolatry. We, we stand on this acquisition of more. And at some point, as a Christian, you need to say, when is enough enough? Well, so for some people, it's never enough because I need more. How does a millionaire become a billionaire? Because they need more. Sometimes you save out of greed and you miss the whole point of savings. Sometimes people save for another reason. It's not, not biblical. They are a self-made person. Have you heard that, have you heard that guy or that, that lady talk about that? Oh, yeah, I'm a self-made person. No one helped me get here. I did it all on my own. I built this business from the ground up. Rode a horse, you know, to school uphill both ways in the snow. 12 feet of snow, I was terrible. You know, I had three teeth in my mouth at the time. I couldn't go to the dentist. And, I, you know, I got a, a savings kind of three nickels in it. And that was it, you know. And, and they go on and on about how great they are and this kingdom they built them to themselves. And, you know, start beating their chest. It's a me monster. Me, 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 me. You know, look what I've done. And what it is is they want, they want independence from God. They don't want to acknowledge that their ability to create wealth and earn an income whether it be their brain, whether it be some skill they can do with their hands, maybe it's a position that God's just put them in. They don't, they don't want, they want to be independent. They're a self-made person. They don't need God. And again, it's all the wrong reason for, for saving. We, our savings should show an interdependence on God, not an independence from God. And if you save for any of these reasons, then I would challenge you and say, you are not trusting God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world to not be arrogant, nor to put their, check this out, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. I know there's a lot there. It's like drinking from a fire hose. But to not be arrogant, don't put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God. Be generous and willing to share so that you can take hold of life that is truly life. Because if we go back to our passage that I read at the very beginning, in verse 15, it's a reminder that says this, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You acquire some wealth, don't let it make you into a miser. Ecclesiastes 5.13 says this, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. And if you get to that place where you're struggling with the whole savings thing, and you become one that is a miser or one that is a hoarder or one that is not generous, Remember how our, our passage ended. It says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
If you find yourself there, I want to challenge you with this thought this morning. Is God really the center of your life? And do you really fully trust in him? And are you saving to be one that could maybe share those resources in the future? Or are you one that is hoarding and saying, oh, no, no, no. God will have none of this money. This is all for me. Because one thing I think that we don't like to think about, but I think it would be wise for us to spend some time thinking about is on the list of priorities in life, if I look at my financial house, where is God? Is he first? Is he most? Is he highest and best in my life? Is he on the throne of my life and everything that I do and have serve him? Or is it really I'm on the throne and everything I want to do in life, anything I want to serve in life, and even in my financial house is all about me? Because like I said last week about generosity, generosity is something God wants for you not from you. Why? It's because it's putting him first. And if you're outside of Christ this morning, that's the call of the gospel, is to put Jesus first, put him in charge of your life. He says, first, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all of these other things, they'll be added to you as well. Let me give you the ESV, Eric Standard version of that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will work themselves out the way they're supposed to, because your life is patterned in the priority of God first, and the rest is details. Now, I know that some of you come in this morning, and you're worried financially. You come from a place right now, you're stressed out. Some of you are at a place, and you're looking at your bank accounts dwindling, you wake up every morning, and what do you do? Read the Bible? No, you check your portfolio. It went down three more percent this week. And you're more concerned and invested in the stock market and in your 401K or your 403B or whatever the 401s are than you are in the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus would like to come to you and take that yoke and that burden off of you and say, hey, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden with all the worries about money in the world and life, and I will give you rest. But you change your perspective and you focus on me first. Christ first. The rest is details.